it felt almost too easy. I had people like reach out um, within, you know, 24 hours of listing. Um, Andrew had gone through, you know, and like made it all sound even a little bit better than I had originally said and like helped smooth out some of the numbers to, so that it like made more business sense because I didn't know what I was really saying. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Dustin McCaffrey. He is a serial founder and sold his first small software as a service company last year, started Jolt as a side hustle, and then joined Copy AI as a full-time software engineer more recently. Dustin, you ready to take it to the top? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So take us back to the start. You had you said you had a first small SaaS last year before Jolt, I believe, right? What was the smaller SaaS? Yeah, it was called Rocket Note. Um, it actually lasted for a while. I started it back in early 2018. So that was kind of, it was a, it was the long haul ride with that one. And what was it a personal sort of Evernote like competitor or what was the company doing? Um, kind of. So it was more focused on YouTube. I actually learned to code online, you know, just watching a lot of YouTube videos and stuff. So I was inspired um, to try to make YouTube a little bit more of a learning platform. And there were some competitors out there also doing like note taking for, you know, whether it was YouTube or Vimeo or trying to do them all at once. But I wanted to build something that felt more integrated. So it was like an in, a really integrated, more native feeling um, Chrome extension. On Interesting. YouTube. Chrome extensions are hot. It's a great way to build an MVP, build a user base, get a lot of feedback. How many users did you grow to? So total signups was around 3,000 by the time that I sold it. But the activity rate was pretty low on that. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't you- even have like awesome stats on it. I wasn't like doing that really well. Um, Honestly, like my, especially at the time, things have gotten a lot better for me on this side, but especially at the time, like the Chrome store worked really well for me because I'm not good at all the biz dev side of things. And the, you know, like that, that was the weakness of mine. So Mm -hmm. having something that was, had a built-in marketplace, that's where, I mean, all of my users came from organic, you know, just finding me on that store. Talk me through the sale real quick before we go into Jolt. How'd you sell the business? Um, So I listed it on MicroAcquire. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just, it was so easy. It felt almost too easy. I had people like reach out um, within, you know, 24 hours of listing. Um, Andrew had gone through, you know, and like made it all 
sound even a little bit better than I had originally said and like help smooth out some of the numbers to, so that it like made more business sense because I didn't know what I was really saying. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I had people offering what I was asking for within what were you asking in that 24 hours. So originally it's so funny. I priced it really low. Uh, originally I was asking 3000. I, I had no idea like that. I had something that was worth more than that. I hadn't done my research really well. Um, and then it was just bidding war up to, up to <coughs> my 10,000 that I ended up selling it for. That's incredible. Okay. So you sell this thing for $10,000. Um, I assume like a, a good chunk of that was hopefully cash up front. Maybe there's a slight earn out or something in escrow, but you take that cash. What do you do with the cash? How do you reinvest it? Yeah. I mean, the whole idea from there was just that I'd be able to fund myself building my next thing. Um, my expenses, so I'm married, have two kids. So like I do have expenses, expenses, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't. So I, it's funny, the story gets a little more complicated because um, I had been a co-founder in a company while all this was going on. And before I sold Rocket Note, I, I had co-founded a restaurant loyalty app. Okay. Uh, and we had like raised money and done the whole thing. And so I wasn't really making money for a long time. And so selling Rocket Note, I was like, okay, now when the pandemic hit, the restaurant industry was awful. And so I had to split with my co-founder, everything, which was fine. We're not like, we're on good terms and everything. Um, but I ended up, I, I wanted more runway, just like personal runway to be able to build my next thing. Um, and so part of selling that, um, that felt smart to me is that I made connections with a lot of people, not just the person who ended up buying mm -hmm. the business, but with a lot of the other people who were, who were wanting to, and everybody was interested in what I was going to do next. And I was already showing them, I already had like the landing page for Jolt built. Um, and so I was able to show all of these potential investors, like, Hey, here's what I'm working on next. And so it, it set me up for the next step. And re rest is history. So do break, break us into Jolt. Yeah. So Jolt, it was supposed to be my full-time thing. At the time, I thought this would be like the next two or three years full-time for me. Um, Jolt is a way to make any like static website. Um, whether that's, so like one of the crazes right now is like Notion plus Super or Notion plus Potion. Um, just being able to make, you know, Notion into it, its own static website um, on your own domain and stuff. So Jolt, you can turn any website really into a visual builder where you can add blocks and stuff to it. Um, so you can just really easily like almost drag and drop style, add, you know, your, your email subscribe form or your comments section and things like that. Um, so it just, it just helps transform your site into something that you can just add little blocks to easily. And while you grab more water because you're battling through a cough <laughs> while you're doing this, which I, which I, which I appreciate, I will, I'm going to fill this space here with another question, right? So sure, you, sure. um, get, put this on a timeline for us. So when did you sell rocket note and when did you have your first users on jolt? So I sold rocket note in, um, I think it was like October of last year. Okay. Um, and then it took me until about January to build out Jolt to the point where I had my early users. Perfect. And what's the URL if you want to follow along for Jolt? It's just jolt.so. Jolt.so. Yeah, and that's on um, trend. Let's go. <laughs> jolt.so. Which country is that? South? What is I that? It's actually, I think it's Somalia. Somalia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean, Notion kind of sparked that. And then now a lot of people are following along. Now, did you do all the design for this and everything? 
I did. Yeah. This is great. You're 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 one of these rare cases. You can code. You're just resourceful, <laughs> and the site looks great. I mean, you're sort of you have it all in one shot, huh? Thank you. Thank you so much. I like design was so really. I'm like I would call myself a front end developer, but having started so many projects, it's like you have to end up learning back end, and then design. Like uh, you just have to learn design. I actually now work with a designer just on all my side projects, but at the time I didn't. So this was all me. Yeah. Um. But like, it's actually really nice as a developer, if you can afford it, it's so nice to be able to have somebody that's just always building your backlog of designs that I can then code. So that's my Build. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So this is sort of like almost like, I guess back in the day, they were sort of unsexy. You'd see these tools that were like WordPress plugins that would allow you to add more like drag and drop functionality, right? like the discus comment stream, for example. Yeah. You're sort of yeah. doing that before this new wave of like, hey, you know, one page notion landing pages, right? Yeah. And so, and, but like, even with, so discuss, people use that. I don't love WordPress. It's like kind of an old behemoth, but, um, but like Ghost for blogs, right? If you're familiar with Ghost, it's actually really hard to add comments to Ghost. You have to like download your theme and then you have to make actual code changes to it, zip it, and then upload. I think they removed the zip thing in Ghost V4. Mm -hmm. But Joel, like all you have to do, there's a section to add a little snippet into the head of your site. And then you can just, it becomes a visual builder for you. Yep. So like on any site like that, it's it hasn't been accessible in the past. And so being able to bundle in, you know, I'm not making you add a new snippet and download your code and then add your discuss tag wherever you need and make sure that that plays nice. Like it's all just in a visual builder, which which makes it handy. And is Jolt still pre-revenue or do you have users signed up and folks paying? It's still pre-revenue. <laughs> Excuse me. No, you're good. Um, yeah, pre-revenue. So so and then let's loop in the, you know, Paul and Copy and that whole story, right? So when yeah. did how did how did you get connected to Copy AI? Um so I connected with Chris actually. I, I had been following along on Twitter. Um, you know, and and th those guys are really fun building in public. And they are having a lot of success. And so, you know, I, I had thought for a little while that a missing piece for me was that I hadn't really been, I hadn't really had a corporate job that was like a real rocket ship that I was part of. So I had in the back of my mind, like, <coughs> sorry. Take your time, dude. No, no, you're pushing through it. No worries. This is a key moment, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of front end developers that are like very resourceful that have sold side projects. And they're always thinking, man, what would it be like to sort of be on one of these rocket ships behind the scenes? And like their curiosity, they just can't help it. They want to get on one of them at least once just to learn. Yeah, well, for me, the thing that was going to make that work is if the founders were were willing to, to have me be part of and teach me things that were not just development, right? Like development at Copy AI, that's not what's going to push me. The stack is pretty much what I'm used to. The thing that's that's pushing me is one of the things I'm learning like as part of a team that's something I really wanted because I want to like own another company and be building a team. I, I don't have a lot of insights into how, how to do that well. And then the other piece of that is that like we're having lunch and learns on like how to be a good angel investor and like, you know, like that sort of thing. Like these are things that Chris and Paul know a lot about. Mm -hmm. um, and so to learn from them, anyway, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit. The way I connected um, is that I was just building in public and they're building in public. And so Chris, I just like replied to a tweet of his and said, Hey, I want to like, I want to learn more or I want to be part of it. Just kind of joking. And then he DM me. He's like, Hey, we always need more software engineers. You know, it's hard to find good talent. And he, he ended up using Joel. 
um, and like poked around on Jolt, really liked it, you know, liked the designs, liked the, <laughs> the dev side of it. <laughs> Excuse me. What we're doing? No, take your time. Take your time, man. There, this is a, this is a tight, the build in public community is a very tight one. I mean, one of the ways that I got connected with you is I literally went and used Twitter search functionality mm-hmm. typed BIP and then build in public as well. And you just go look at all the tweets from people building. And it's always like just crossed 50 grand in MRR or reaching my SAS tar, you know, reaching these targets. And it's, but it's a very small community. I mean, there's probably only maybe like 30 or 40, like SAS founders really, truly building in public. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a lot of silent like lurkers who are also building, but like people have all kinds of fears about building in public. Yeah. Um, some of them are valid and, and a lot of them are not. Um, I to- totally understand that. So, so you got, you got, that's how you got a- interfaced with Chris and Paul. You joined because you want to learn. You mentioned sort of team. What's the team size, by the way, right now? I, I, need you to tell, I feel like I need you to tell this story more so I can just like not talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, say, say that again. What's, what's the, the size of the team today at Copy? Still pretty small. I, I think we're like, two co-founders and maybe like eight, eight team members, something like that. That's great. That's great. I got, I got hired number three and then we've been hiring pretty quick after that. I don't think we're going to hire a ton more right now for early team, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really awesome. The team is really tight knit. You're basically like encouraged to have a side project, which is exactly what I would be looking for. It's kind of, it's kind of the dream and it's weird to get a salary again. Like making money feels weird. (laughs) Were you able to get it? Were you able to get equity? Um, yep. How, how did, uh, that's always a tricky conversation. So to the extent you mm-hmm. can talk about it, talk about how that sort of went down. Honestly, the, the founders are just awesome. So I, I didn't negotiate really at all. I'm actually a big negotiator. So when I didn't negotiate, Paul was like, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, but they would never know that. Like, usually I would negotiate, but I wanted to be part of it bad enough and like, and had such low expectations. They offered enough equity and a good enough, like, market rate salary that I didn't feel like I was needing to negotiate at all. Yeah. I think that was like that that's something that feels really good with copy AI is that they just understand like what it takes to make people want to work for you. And there just isn't a downside for me. I, I expected there to be more of a downside. I expected a lower salary. I expected less equity. Um but that didn't even have to be a conversation. Can we can we I don't want to like reveal your financial situation, but there are people looking to find people like you and they're wondering like how the heck do I incentivize a guy like Dustin? So can we put brackets? I mean, can we say like one to five percent equity and you know, you know, a hundred K to three hundred K in terms of salary? Are those fair brackets? Sure. Yeah. I I would fit somewhere in there. I mean, really with equity, I feel like early equity in a in a startup that's like obviously growing, when I had a and I'll be like really upfront, I guess, with my numbers that I had before. I would love that. Yeah. Um, because I gave away equity, like with my, my angel back startup. Um, and so I was giving away between like 0.25 to 0.5%. Um, and that was with a lower, we had like lower valuation than copy AI has. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have been sad with, with anything like even, even a little lower than 0.25%, I would have been fine with, and that's usually yeah. with like it's over years, you know, and it's got a cliff and things like that. Um, they offered more than I expected. I, I can say that much. Yep. Um, and so really nice. I don't know if that would continue enough. You know, other people are looking to work at copy. AI. Yeah. I don't know. It's like That's I'm great. What, what is, I don't know if they've put this out there, but what is the copy evaluation currently? I'm not sure if that's out there. Okay. <laughs> well, you got to push them to put it out there. They got to do a, 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 tweet thread, a tweet, a Twitter thread on it. I know like right now they do um, I- investor emails, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's out there. But yeah. I, I'll say like, 
they want to be as transparent as possible. It always gets a little tricky when you're raising money, you know, and you have a lot of people that have stakes. Um, and so really the goal and part of what, what Chris and Paul have done from the beginning is like, let's raise a little bit from a lot of people. Um, we're getting so off topic, but I, I think that's really smart, right? Because everybody has a little bit of skin in the game, but nobody has enough that, that it's like you feel like you have to listen to them. Yeah. No, that's a great, that is a great model. You're seeing a lot of these like power super angel rounds where it's like a hundred investors, $3 million round and it works, right? You just got to find <laughs> someone, set the terms and then go from there. So yep. this is great. Um, one other question I'll ask here, because I'm curious how you would tackle this from the developer perspective at Copy. Many people would look at a, a tool like Copy and go, oh, they're really good at bringing top of funnel in via Twitter. They're really good in public, but churn's got to be crazy. There's got to be people signing up. They test it. They're like, wow, this is cool. But then there's no real long on, like ongoing use case. What are you doing from a development perspective to try and make the onboarding very addictive to present like long-term use cases so people don't churn? Yeah, so what's funny with Copy is that it's so early. Like to me, you look at the product, it's like, to me, it's pretty obvious that the UI, the UX is, is crazy early. I've, I've wanted Chris to talk more about this, but like the back end, like single, messy, long file, um, the front end is a hacked together webflow site that's made into a web app. Literally like it, it's, it's rock bottom as far as product can get. So it, it's only up from here. So what we're working <laughs> on right now, no offense to Chris, he built something that's like a million plus ARR. On yeah. The um, but like right now, basically everything is, is up from here. We're trying to use the existing product to have like better, like customer insights so that the next version of that, um, is just based on data more than anything else. Um, and so we know like, you know, which tools of ours convert best. We know, you know, with, we know when people are like copying something wholesale or if they're tweaking something and then taking it and copying it as far as like copy AI results. Um, the goal with the next version is to be able to pinpoint our users a little bit better. So there will be like something that's pretty familiar with a lot of SaaS products, you know, where you onboard yourself a little bit and like identify yourself as, hey, I use this for, for school or I use this for my job. And then what's your job? Those sort of things. But we don't have any of that in place right now. Yep. Very cool. Dustin, are we going to see Jolt listed on MicroQuire here soon? Because you're going to have to fall and so in love with copy AI, you're not going to have time for it. <laughs> um. I'll always have something I'm working on. So, <laughs> so whether that's like Jolt for the next few years um, while I'm at Copy, or if it's if it's you know a handful of other things, I actually have like several other things that I'm always working on. So, um, but Jolt's going to grow. Right now, it's only got like a couple of real blocks, but I want it to have tens of blocks, you know, to start. And then I think, yeah, will I sell it one day? Yeah, absolutely. As we're going to save Dustin's voice and skip the famous five, but again, <laughs> an incredible story here, right? Side project, Chrome extension, lists on MicroQuire, sells for $10,000, plows that money into a new tool, new tool called Jolt while he's building Jolt in public, finds the copy AI team, joins the copy AI team, gets some equity, gets a good salary. It's sort of weird to get a payment or a salary uh, for a guy that like, uh, like Dustin who's hustling and building in public. But again, he's learning a ton at copy, keeping the side projects. We'll see what happens next. Dustin, thanks for taking us to the top. Uh, thanks so much, Nathan. It's been fun.